What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Well, my family are here. They got here on Saturday and we have been having an incredible time. My mum, my sister and I went to Spring Spa yesterday and got our beautiful facials and I have been annoying my family and entertaining myself by pestering them. It is literally my favourite thing to do and the only thing that could have really made this past weekend better is if Kobe could have gotten on the plane (laughs) and come with them. Everyone keeps asking me, what is it about Perth that I miss? And I give the same answer all the time my sister's dog. (laughs) Like nothing else except for my sister's dog. I wish Kobe could get on the plane and come with us. But oh my God, this episode today is a guest episode that I am so excited for you all to dive into. It is with a past client of mine, Katie Gummerson. Katie and I worked together three years ago. She was really desiring to break free from her own internalize stigma and shame and use her voice powerfully so that she could express herself courageously online and really be a stand for women breaking free from the shame of herpes. And she fucking did it. And I was just thinking to myself, who am I going to get on the show? And I couldn't not get Katie on because she's just radiating right now, witnessing her journey the past three years from the time that we worked together to witnessing everything that she does online now. I just thought, yes, you all get to receive from her. Whether you're into the HSV conversation or not, you are going to want to tune into this. And the Madonna whore paradox, the conversation around this has come up so much. I know I shared about it with you on the Eleanor Hadley podcast a few episodes ago. It comes up again in a future podcast episode. And since Eleanor has spoken about it with me, so many of my clients have brought it up in conversation. So if you are a woman just really desiring to embody a deeper sense of self-trust in your own sexual expression and liberation, and just this deep sense of internal peace and permission to be yourself, you are going to want to tune into today. It's funny, Katie came, she was like, I had a different idea for what today's episode was going to be. And I heard already thought this gets to be all about reclaiming your sexuality and your sexual expression and your sexual liberation after a HSV diagnosis. And then she got on the pod and she was like, I thought that we would talk about something else but I've got a fucking outbreak and we have got to go there. So I'm so glad that life, God, just presented her with exactly what she needed, that I needed, what you needed for today to be everything that it gets to be. I'm about to go back to pestering my family because they're here for two more days. If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Katie because we would fucking love to connect with you. And if you're one of our gorgeous HSV babes who follows us, just know that if breakthrough is possible for myself and for Katie, then it is possible for you too. There is nothing that exists within us that does not exist within you. Strap yourself in, my love. This is one hell of an episode. Let's fucking go. I am sitting here with someone who is very special to my heart, a past client, now turned beautiful friend. She's sitting here. She's a blonde bombshell with the most gorgeous smile and the most beautiful heart. Katie Gummerson, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Oh my God, I am so happy to be here. I just love you, Beck, as you know, and all that you stand for. So yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, let's fucking go. So Katie, if anyone doesn't know who you are and what it is that you do in the world, who is Katie Gummerson and what is it that you do? 
Hello, beautiful humans. So yes, I am Katie Gummerson for work. My name is the Empowerment Queen. I am a very straight talking, spiritual, but without the woo-woo, holistic empowerment coach, breathwork facilitator, and female sexuality practitioner, and fellow herpes queen. I am here to support other queens to break free from the doubts, the fears, the insecurities that keep them stuck, small, settling for less, so that they remember who the fuck they are, and they can go and play all out in this one and only life that we have. This sounds empowering and it is, but I do this work because as Beck knows, for a very long time, I was so disempowered. I was so powerless over my life. I was settling in environments where I lived. I was settling where I worked for shitty paychecks in real shitty relationships. And so, yeah, it's my personal journey that's led me here today. So I am from the UK, London. You might get that by my accent. Currently traveling the world searching for a place to call home, not stopping until I find somewhere that does align with all of my standards. And yeah, doing it with my beautiful soulmate who I'm engaged to. So yeah, this inner work has led me here now. And so I love to share it with any woman who needs it to. Mm, I love that. It gave me chills up the back. I'm like, is that the hair color or is it her words? I think it's her words that are really touching my heart, my soul, my body. And at the very end, you doing that with Dan and looking for the place that you're going to call home, but not willing to settle for anything less than what really fucking sets your heart on fire. I feel like any woman listening right now who's never had the experience to experience you but knows me knows why I love you so much. We're both straight shooters. We've had similar but very different journeys and we're here to empower women in similar and different ways as well. I know that we were talking about before we get on the show, I always ask guests what's hot on their heart. And I already had a vision of what I wanted to dive into with Katie. And (laughs) then she had an original vision that shifted only 24 hours ago. So would you love to share with the audience what our new vision is? Yeah, for sure. So I feel like the universe just came and gave me a very clear slightly annoying sign of what I need to speak into today and what I'm here to do. I was going to speak about one thing totally unrelated. And then herpes knocked on my door, literally an outbreak um, suspected yesterday. And I woke up this morning and I was like, yeah, this is here. And so I feel like that was my reminder to speak into women reclaiming their sexuality, their sexual expression post herpes diagnosis. And it's so funny because my team actually titled the podcast, but I give them a little of what I think it's going to be about. And I literally wrote Katie Gummerson reclaiming your sexual expression post herpes diagnosis. So when I asked Katie what's hot in her heart, she said, oh, masculine and feminine energetics in relationship. And I was glad to be, it was like, oh, that's not really what I thought we were going to go into. And then she's like, but 24 hours ago, something came knocking and we're in a new direction. I was like, oh my God, this is the direction that I said we we're going to go on. So I love how in alignment it is. And I mean, you and I obviously laugh. We're talking about this from like, my energy is so full and lit up right now, obviously. And with someone that I really resonate and align with. But just to give some context to the listeners, were you always like this, Katie? Was talking about herpes, talking about herpes outbreaks, talking about reclaiming your sexuality after a herpes diagnosis? Did this always just come so easily to you? This has been the biggest thing that I have ever worked through. My biggest life achievement is breaking free from herpes shame because I was so stifled by it. I was so small because of it. 
I find it hard to almost relate to that version of me, but for a decade, I was consumed by it. I literally believed that this thing depreciated my value as a human being. I spent all my time trying to make up for it, add points onto myself in other ways through what became very toxic habits and ways of being, eating disorder, I had bulimia. I would binge eat as well in the middle of the night. I wouldn't know what was happening to me. I got myself in a big hole with that. Similar to your story, Beck, I had body dysmorphia as well. This went on for years. I was even wearing children's clothes, like age 11 or 12 clothes at the age of 24. And all because I was like, if I could just make myself look perfect, then it would make up for this thing. And of course, it was never perfect. It was never, ever good enough. And I felt I needed to act perfect as well. I couldn't put a foot wrong. So yeah, for nearly a decade, I lived in this hell really. And my worst fear was anyone ever, ever finding this out about me. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been smiling. Mm, And obviously, I think any listener now that knows me is like, ah, this is why Beck's got Katie on. Like, Just such similar journeys in so many ways, the disordered eating. And so many women share with me, obviously, privately every single day, and they say exactly that. Like, Beck, I just feel like there's this scale. And on one side of the scale, I'm trying to fill it up with everything that makes me good. Beautiful body, a great career, money, a nice home, being the perfect woman that can cook and can do everything. And I'm like trying to add as much as I can to the scale, but nothing I can put on it is ever going to be enough because the brick of herpes on the other side outweighs everything else. Because ultimately underneath that, what is it that we're all really desiring? Love to be loved, to be like loved, accepted. The weight of herpes feels so heavy that it takes all of what we think makes us good away. What do you feel was the real turning point for you, Katie, where you're like 10 years in and I cannot live like this anymore? causing so much destruction, literally where I was so living out of alignment, so disconnected from my truth. I was like, just living as a different human and causing more pain and causing other people more pain. So I was suicidal. My eating disorder had spiraled out of control. It had gone from just being in the night, waking up, what did I do last night? To throughout the days as well. It was consuming my life. I just couldn't go on like it. And I had had this breakup. And I was at rock bottom and I was like, right, what are my options here? What can I do? Because I can't go on like this. And so I found the inner work and it wasn't an empowered choice. It wasn't like, yeah, I love myself and I deserve this. So I'm going to go into this world of personal development and coaching and all the stuff. I was skeptical. I was a bit like, what is this shit? But I am a desperate human and I need something and someone to save me. That's how I felt. I was very powerless at that time. Mm. And so you found a retreat, didn't you? Yeah, I remember this moment. I left my fiancé. I was engaged previously and did horrifically and I left everything in the apartment we owned. I had found myself back at my mum's house on her sofa. Like, what has happened? I have nothing. I have no fiancé. I have no stuff. I have nowhere to live. I'd got sacked the same day as I told my ex that the wedding was off. And I was like, what is life? I've lost everything. That's how I felt. Everything is absolutely fucked. And that was my breaking point, really. And then I was on my mum's sofa, scrolling Instagram. People say that's not a healthy thing to do. Sometimes it's not. But in this scenario, it really was. 
was because in that desperate state, I saw someone speaking about a retreat. This was, I don't know how many years ago now, people weren't really going on retreats that much and it was like a self-love retreat. And although I felt broke and that I should be finding somewhere to live and I should be doing all these other things, I was like, no, I need to go on that. I need to go on that and I need to do that for me. And so, yeah, I joined a program as well. I went on this retreat and I just came back to myself. I didn't talk about herpes at all on that retreat. I wasn't ready. It took a lot more work excavating, peeling back all these layers, all this other stuff that I felt shame around that I'd been so closed up about. So I just got in the space and realized that there's work to do and listen to these other women's stories and then left really empowered. Like I'm going to do this, but I still wasn't ready to go there with the whole herpes thing. That was deep. Yeah, I really resonate with that too. I found personal development. I obviously refer to Preston Alexi quite frequently in the podcast because a lot of my teaching has come from that and my learning. I found their workshops seven years ago, the ones that I fly to America for, but I never shared. Like That's in front of a room full of people that are essentially my community now. But I did not speak about herpes then. It was too painful to touch. And did you go through that place and that time where it, it wouldn't even come out of your mouth? I would try and say the word herpes, but at one stage, the H word just repulsed me and I would try and say it and it would just get stuck in my throat. And so there was no way that I was standing in a group personal development room, even with all the safety, even with it being Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos. I was like, I'm not having this thing. There's no way because someone in this room would know who I am and someone is going to tell, because isn't that the greatest fear of it all? It's everyone finding out the truth. I relate a hundred percent. I could not say the word. I couldn't even say the word at the doctors. I could not say the word to anyone. And I lived in denial about it for such a long time. I hadn't needed to say the word. It couldn't leave my lips. And for me, a big part was just learning to say the words. Yeah. It took a while. It took such a long time. It just felt so unsafe. Like you're saying, no matter how safe someone says a space is, it's like, no, no, it's not safe for me right now in my body and in my experience. Yes, yes. So from there, Katie, now you're literally supporting women all around the world to learn how to love themselves. If any woman is listening right now who is like, well, Beck and Katie, they've got it easy because you're on the internet, you have businesses, you coach people, it probably kind of makes sense for you two to talk about it. It's probably easier to talk about it on the internet. Once on the internet, everyone knows. So the people that like you are going to tell you that they like you. The people that don't like you, they're not going to engage with you. You don't even have to worry about rejection. Whereas like, I'm just a normal woman. Like we're all normal and we're all crazy as well. <laughs> we're all wild. But I'm just like a woman that wants to disclose to one person and not totally fear that my life is going to be ruined and this piece of vulnerable information about me is going to go all the way through my hometown. What would you say to that woman? I've been where you are and I'm sure Beck has as well. I did know deep down in the middle of my shame in this weird twisted way, like one day, even though I'm suicidal about this right now, I feel like one day this is here for a reason and I feel like I'm going to be supporting other women, even though I hadn't supported myself. So I did have that. However, I had the hometown fear. There was also this version of me that was like, yeah, no one can fucking know. The gym people, what about if the people at the gym found out? What about if these girls found out? Or these girls that I used to go to school with? Or these girls who are the cool girls and like all of that crap? I've had that, you've had that. We didn't just announce it, right? Well, I'm not sure if you did, but I've moved through that. And then by moving through that, I have got to this point where I did want to share. It's not everybody's journey to share publicly. It, it really doesn't need to be. But for you, you get to own what you want it to look like. Who do you want to know? Who do you want to share with? 
And if people were to find out, here's the work, not that you need to declare it, but the work is really letting go of that fear of people finding out. Otherwise, you're always going to be living in fear. Because even if you trust somebody and you're like, yes, I feel ready to be vulnerable and share with them, but I'm so worried and I'm swearing them to secrecy, there's still work to do here on what if others find out? Because that's the question. What if others find out? What are they going to think? Dot, 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 fill in the blank. There's your work, isn't it? And do you feel for you that this is something frequently that shows up with your clients? Yeah, that and disclosing. It is literally letting the words come out of their mouth. That's one. And being rejected. And then people finding out the exact same thing. Like, what will happen? What will they say? They're going to think all of the things. And so how do you support a woman who has that fear? She has that fear of disclosing. She has that fear of people finding out. And you really identified underneath both of that is a massive fear of rejection. How do you support her to move through that so that she can disclose with ease and confidence or she can start sharing with the people in her life that she wants to share with without the fear of being ostracized or outcast or rejected? Yeah, it's really about going there to the core of it all, not trying to empower your way into this disclosure or into, okay, I'm going to tell so-and-so, a friend, whoever it might be, when when you haven't really done this like groundwork almost, when you haven't reached that point of acceptance. And it's a long journey going on this journey of acceptance and healing rejection wounds. I don't know how fully healed these things ever are. I think, you know, in a child and younger parts of us, our inner teen, those things happened. And to a degree, maybe it will always be something. However, we can do the work to let it stop holding us back and really put ourselves out there and really be seen. So yeah, it's about going back and and finding like, where does this come from? Because for me, when that was my biggest fear about being rejected, it's not about the person in front of me or if somebody's going to say something about me. It's not about them. It's actually about where this wound was created. Like, when was it? For me, I had so many daddy issues, so much going on there in terms of rejection. And so my personal story is about actually feeling like I always needed to be this attractive to men throughout my teen years. As a child, I learned that I was slow, that I wasn't clever. And in society, you are either intelligent or you're beautiful, right? It's like you're this or that. And so I felt like to be wanted by men, I didn't feel wanted by my dad, I needed to be beautiful because I wasn't intelligent. So actually, it wasn't really about the herpes at all. This was already going on. I was already trying to be this person. I already didn't want anyone to think the things about me that I was saying they might think after herpes. And so it was really going back and working on that, then moving into, okay, so how can I release the charge from saying this word herpes? How can I put myself in certain situations where I might be rejected and realize that it's okay? They're not rejecting me. I just feel rejected. Mm. So then separating the story of they're rejecting me from, oh, maybe I feel rejected right now. Maybe this thing happened when I was younger and I have this wound rather than just deciding that everybody is rejecting you. Mm. Huge, 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 huge. And so when your clients have been working with you and working with this, do you feel like they're creating massive success? And I want to take away, when I say success with disclosing, I don't feel like success is the outcome, but success is being able to hold yourself through the experience regardless of what that person says in return. So do you feel your clients are really getting it? Yeah. And I think it takes time and it takes work, but I'm loving it because it's about celebrating Mm. the conversation and celebrating you being in your truth 
exactly what you said, regardless of outcome. And that can be practiced outside of the herpes conversation first. That can be practiced in other conversations where we want it to go this certain way and we're saying that's a success. The more that clients then have these conversations outside of the big one, if the herpes one is the big one to them, Mm -hmm. and they realize, oh, no matter what, even if I feel anxious after, or even if these old stories about being rejected are coming up for me after, I've got the tools, I know what to do, I know how to be with my emotions, I know how to move through them, I know how to release. Mm -hmm. Actually, I can celebrate for being in my truth because I say I'm here for this authentic aligned life. So getting them to practice in these other areas of life to build that confidence so that they are having that conversation. And I don't think I've actually had any clients yet have any rejection. I think everybody who has disclosed in my space has been met with it's no problem. Yeah, I love that so much. I really find that when we're doing the work to create deep acceptance of self, because people ask me on podcasts all the time, like, how often do you get rejected? I'm like, someone reject me? Are you crazy? Do you know who I am? (laughs) I like have this almost like, no, like my blinkers, I'm not looking out into the world for a man to reject me. I'm like here in my power in Bali at this place at 35 of like, I'm ready for my committed aligned partner, my pleasurable, expansive relationship to show the fuck up. And I'm a no to everyone that is not him unless that next one is getting me to him. But eventually I'll be a no to him because he is him, which means technically I'm doing air quotes right now. I have got to reject everyone that is not my aligned, pleasurable, expansive partner. So for me, it's like they can reject me, but he's obviously not him. So please do so that I can find him. Get out of my way. And I think when we start realizing not everyone's meant to be a yes to us, a man could be sitting here right now and he could be like, I'm attracted to blondes. Do I sit here and be like, oh, I'm not good enough in comparison to Katie because Katie's blonde and he said he likes blondes. He's just like, no, my preference is blondes. And so I feel like for me, my whole acceptance around herpes and rejection was like, everyone has preferences and also coming into complete alignment with whatever's handwritten on my soul in terms of clients, relationships, friendships. My herpes diagnosis cannot fuck that shit up for me. Like Dan is your soulmate. Your herpes diagnosis cannot fuck that shit up for you because He's your soulmate no matter what. And I'm sure that you two have traversed many highs and many lows far beyond the herpes diagnosis. Yeah, 100% really relate because if I look at what I desired from a partner, I wanted a partner who wanted an empowered woman who wasn't going to, I'm sure you relate to this, Beck, like suppress me because I am going to be talking about maybe taboo topics on the internet and I am really bold and I am unapologetic. And so my partner needs to actually love that about me, not tolerate, (laughs) be like, yeah, I love it when she's in her strength. And so herpes comes into that because I'm in ownership of it. It's always been he thinks that's sexy because he likes a strong woman. And my standard is I want a man to empower me and I want a man who wants a strong woman. He thinks it's sexy vulnerability and I wanted a man who could meet me there vulnerably. So it's exactly what you're saying about standards. What is it that you actually want? And yeah, the herpes virus can even be fucking sexy in that scenario because of those things. Yeah, I love that. So let's start there. How can the herpes virus be sexy? Tell us, Katie. Some people listening will probably be like, what the fuck? And maybe if you're in the depths of your shame, this will be really difficult to even listen to. I would have felt that. And let's not get it twisted. It can be really unsexy too. Do I feel really sexy right now? No, not in this second. But it can be sexy because 
your sexuality, your sexual energy still exists within you. It's just all of the blocks that you've been putting about the stories about what this means over the top, all of the fears. But as I just said, it can be sexy because to me, I've redefined what sexy means. I've expanded sexy or changed it from I need to be sexy for them to reclaiming sexy for me and moving it away from what I look like into what I feel like. And aside from what I feel like, sexy to me is a woman in ownership of all that she is. When I used to be on my period or something like that, I remember I always would be like, oh, I feel so unsexy. I'm bloated and I need to be like this. And then I twisted it to actually, I'm a woman and this is what happens. And actually, I feel really in my feminine now. And actually, I feel really connected to my body at this time. And so even that can be a sexy experience if you let it be. So with herpes, it's the exact same. I'm not saying uh, it makes me feel sexy at all, but with an outbreak right now, in the past, I'd be so disgusted. I'd be so disconnected from my sexuality. And actually yesterday, I even was like, I'm going to have a really beautiful ritualized self-pleasure session when I felt this outbreak come on. And I'm going to allow myself to experience all of that because I deserve it. And it just reminded me that I can connect to this sexual energy no matter what. Mm. And so for any woman who's listening who was like, I'm just terrified. That's nice. Again, for you and Beck, that sounds great. And I'm really happy for the two of you. But for the rest of us that aren't on the internet, we're not loud and proud. We don't think herpes is sexy. In fact, it's disconnected me from my sexuality. I have a lady in my DMs right now who's saying she's totally fine with the stigma and the shame and her partner's in acceptance. But she's like, I just don't want to have sex anymore because of it. There's just something about me carrying the herpes virus that's really, I've defined, and I know you said redefine what sexy is, where these women are saying it's either ruined my sexuality, ruined my sensuality, ruined sex for me. How would you support that woman? What would be a great place for her to start or what would you say to her? Yeah, it is a journey and I have been through that also, I'll say. I used to say that herpes stole my sexuality so that's a belief that gets to be worked on. But we yeah. can't just work with the heads. We can't just work on these beliefs. And so it's not like you need to break through those beliefs first before you can experience it. But I would start with pleasure. So start with pleasure and looking into your life outside of your sexual life or you as a sexual being. And are you allowing yourself pleasure? Because usually you're not. Usually there's some form of punishment. This is what I've seen in clients and I used to do with myself, not really allowing yourself those moments of pleasure that aren't necessarily sexual. So I would start to do this daily, do one thing a day that brings you pleasure that can involve food, that can involve buying your favorite chocolate, it can involve nature and just really take that moment to consume it and receive it to support you in, oh, okay, I deserve this. This is part of life. Before then moving to sensuality. I have been on this journey and sexuality felt so far out of reach. But sexuality and having sex are two different things. You can be a sexually empowered woman, but you don't need to be having sex. And I know that's maybe difficult if you are in relationship, but really starting to reclaim your sexuality for you. Not about sex, being in your body being sensual, evoking the senses. So start there, start with pleasure outside of the bedroom. Start with, can I be a sensual woman? Start with, can I dance every day? Just for myself, no one needs to see. And something beautiful that I'm doing with clients is body rituals to build a connection with your body that again, it doesn't have to be about self-pleasuring, but just self-touch 
to actually just come home to your body and start to say, I'm here for you and let's start this journey together. Mm, I love that. What do you feel defines a sexually empowered woman? Authentically sexually empowered is something that I want to speak into here because for a while I would have said I was sexually empowered and I wasn't. I was being what the media and what I had decided makes a sexually empowered woman, which is I want to have sex all the time and I love my body and I'm going to show it wherever and I'm not going to care and all of the things, I'm going to do what I want. It gets to look like unique for everybody. A sexually empowered me is going to be different to a sexually empowered Beck and a sexually empowered you. And so I see it as complete ownership of your sexuality. What does that look like in your expression? It could be that you are taking a vow of celibacy and this is really empowered for you. That might not be an empowered choice if it's coming from shame, but it really, really can be. It might be that you want to go to sex parties and have threesomes and do all of that and that feels really empowered for you. Mm. It might be that you want to be able to dance and connect with your sexual energy and actually just express yourself in that way. So it's just so, so unique and it's really about Stopping the performing, pleasing, doing what you think you should do or getting clear on this image, this avatar that you've created about what a sexually empowered woman should be and really coming home to your truth. What is being a sexually empowered woman for you? For me, it's being connected to my body. It's honoring my fucking no when it comes to boundaries and sexually. It's about allowing myself pleasure, knowing I'm worthy of pleasure, no matter what herpes outbreak or not. So for me, that would be it. I love that. And you've been on this huge journey only the past few years, is it? This sexual empowerment reclamation of Katie. It feels like something that's quite recent given how long I've known you. Yeah. So when we worked together a few years ago, it was really around me speaking about the herpes virus publicly. It was about feeling like I'd already, I wouldn't say move through the shame or maybe I would have just been able to do it. But yeah, that was our work. And then I suppose after that, I realized what happened was I felt like I was showing up so much as the good girl sexually. I felt a bit suppressed. I felt like there's this wild primal being inside. And yet I felt so blocked, even though I wanted to unleash her and I didn't understand why. And I really then dived deeper and did a training and connected to the why and to what was in there. So yeah, I went on this journey to really awaken that sexual energy and connect to it because I didn't feel sexual. And it wasn't about the herpes virus, but what I realized that it was about was shame of old me and past behaviors and people thinking in the past, oh, she has the herpes virus. People are going to think she's a slut. Like that was my biggest thing. So for me, it was like reclaiming my slut. And that was the journey that I wanted to go on. And I'm still on, right? So being like, oh, this is showing up in relationship now. I'm playing the good girl. What is this about? And I'm not the good girl. And then that realization of, oh, I was never really empowered and sexually expressed authentically. It was Mm. pleasing. It was performing Mm. and going on this journey of authentic sexual expression, which doesn't mean that I want to have sex all the time, but it means that I feel really empowered in my choices and connected to my body. I love that so much. I know you've been doing that whilst you've been in intimate partnership. So what has that been like? uncomfortable (laughs) oh my god me and my partner Dan we have been in murky territory I tell you that I celebrate that man for just showing up and me to really go there and have these conversations because it would be so much easier and this is what the story I'd been telling myself if I was to meet somebody new and just show up in this way but 
when you're in partnership and you're almost changing, it feels strange. And yeah. so, yeah, there have been really difficult conversations that haven't gone well at the time to when we were talking about that earlier. I was like, yeah, I celebrate myself for always showing up in my truth and navigating this together. And yeah, we're getting there. And it's a great, expansive journey. And at times it is so, so triggering. Mm, yeah, it can be. You know, in the past few, guest episodes that I've done, the Madonna whore complex has come up, the conversation around that, about how either you're the good wife or you're the slut yeah. and you can't be both in your partnership. And even with myself, now that I'm single and I finally ripped the Band-Aid and I had this wild, crazy sex over the weekend and I was like, oh, this expression of me has been suppressed and locked in a cage for three years. And there was a part of her that was just like, no, nah, not coming out with Jake not bringing her out with him. But if I was single, oh, I would just unleash. And I was even sharing with my girlfriends. I'm like, oh my God, this part of me is free now. She was so wound up inside. I'm not saying it's about him by any means, but I'm just saying really honoring the depth of the vulnerability of your relationship because that's confronting and courageous and really hard. Yeah. So you get it. It's been really hard, really edgy, but it's amazing as well because it's happening. I'm having these moments where that side is coming out. And I think it's really important to not push. And of course, the ego always wants more, more, more now, now, now. And actually just like, gentle, celebrate, take a break. It is triggering, but I'm committed and he's committed. And so, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, amazing. And how does herpes impact your relationship? So I'd forgotten all about herpes until yesterday and this outbreak, to be honest. So it doesn't, it doesn't impact our relationship. There was a time especially when I first started working with Beck, where if I had outbreaks, I would struggle to tell Dan because I would create stories about, oh, but what if I was going through a stressful patch once and I had quite a few outbreaks in a short space of time. So all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, what's he going to think about this? And I moved through all of that. And Dan and I have only been together three years. It, we're not in this 10 year relationship. It's just not a thing. It's an inconvenience. Dan and I will still be sexual now when I have an outbreak. If I'm feeling sexual and want to, we won't have sex. I always want to protect him. But there's other things you can do to be sexual. You can be sexual. You can be intimate without having sex. So yeah, it doesn't affect us now. Yeah, that's something beautiful that I love that we're touching on. But I love to share with clients because sometimes I feel women can feel like they're letting their partner down. For me, I'm always the woman that wants more sex. But a lot of clients, it's typically the other way around. The man wants a lot of sex and she feels when the outbreaks there, I'm like, oh, maybe he won't want to be with me because this is going to impact our sexual relationship. And then I don't get to receive any love or intimacy or affection from him because I have an outbreak. And I always share with women, there are way more ways to be intimate and physically intimate beyond just penetrative sex and even pleasurable as in orgasm, pleasurable sex. There are way more ways to create that intimacy together. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, exactly. And what a beautiful conversation. Herpes is pain in the ass, maybe literally sometimes. But what a beautiful conversation because you are going to expand your intimacy beyond just let's have sex because this is drawing you to that. This is leading you to that. Whereas there's other couples where that is what their relationship will be. That is their way to be physically intimate. And so you get to experiment and you get to find it for yourself. This was new for me before as well. I've had the same story. That's how we connect physically. It's sex and actually creating the space to explore with each other and try things. Yeah, it's vulnerable because it might be new for you both. It's so beautiful to just connect with each other. Eye gazing is a bit out there for some people, but 
It's the most vulnerable thing that we can do. And then, yeah, of course, physical touch. We don't have to just talk to be intimate. That can be foreplay and that can be a way to connect. But yeah, you can be physically intimate as well. It's tapping into what do we want to try? What do we want to explore here? And carving out this space to do it. You can take sex off the table and you can just say, okay, then maybe let's start with talking or let's start with a massage or let's start with something and then just see. Mm. And for you, I'm sure if you're bringing this wild woman into the bedroom with you and Dan, it's not just like, okay, well, Katie's gone and done a workshop and now the wild woman is here and let's just get into the bedroom and she's going to express herself. I'm sure there's so much intimacy and safety and conversation and deep, vulnerable communication that got to be had, authentic relating, for then the wild woman in the bedroom dynamic to even be possible. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Like we really have put in the work and it's so worth it because it's not actually just about that. Imagine then doing the work to have these conversations and really show up and really be vulnerable, how else is that going to affect your relationship outside of sexually? It has the biggest impact. So it really is amazing for growth. But yeah, there was a lot and I'm still on the journey, as I said, and it is really edgy and it is really uncomfortable. But when you have the moments where you're like, oh, wow, like, yeah, this is what we're here for. It's worth it. Yeah, and the reason I reference that is I'm sure most women listening are like, yeah, I want the fucking wild woman sex. Well, the wild woman sex comes with deep vulnerability. She's not just going to a workshop and walking through the bedroom and be like, wild woman's here, let's go. Hello, partner, we are on. So it requires all the same things that are required when you have an outbreak and you feel like you're robbing your partner of a sexual experience or he's going to think lesser of you because of this or he's going to fear receiving it from you because you have it right now is actually that deep conversation and you creating intimacy beyond sex that will create the deep intimacy that you really crave. So the byproduct of this, even though it's uncomfortable, it's awkward. Yes, herpes can not be sexy as much as it can be sexy, mm. but it's so pivotal to really what you say that you desire the most. Yeah. You can't do it without the vulnerability and without showing up to those conversations. You just can't. You might want to go to the workshop, do the things, rock up and be like, yeah, all empowered sexual goddess in the bedroom. But like you say, you have to do that work first because that is what allows this part of you to feel safe to come out. So nobody wants to do that bit, but we need to. And actually, when we get used to doing it, we're like, ah, this is good. I can do this again. I feel ready. On to the next thing. And yeah, and Dan's a part of this as well, right? So he's had his own things come up as a result. So it's been really beautiful to actually have this space for him to share things too and not make it all about me because I'm the one with the herpes virus and I'm the one who's doing this journey of sexual empowerment. There were times he felt disempowered where I'm being so sexually empowered. And so, yeah, really working to hear him and support him to feel empowered again. So beautiful. I love how you talk about your relationship. And I've loved seeing your journey from when we first met to now. She looks so beautiful, I'm sure. For the ones that see the reels, you look so beautiful today. So I don't normally ask, what's one piece of advice you would give? But because our journeys are so unique, and unless you've been through the herpes journey, you'll never really understand it. And do you get this from clients all the time that are like, I've gone to a therapist for years. I've gone to my psychologist. I've done all the things. Nothing will help. And it's like you need to go to someone who has lived through this motherfucker to really be able to help you through it. Yeah, 100%. They don't get it. That's it. No one will get it. You could go through whatever. You could be a therapist and see all types of people who probably have the herpes virus as well, by the way. But how you will feel in the moment is... 
I need somebody who gets it because herpes shame and the stigma is so unique unless you experience it yourself. Yeah, you don't get it. So if you could go back to that version of you when she first found out she was diagnosed and you were like to sit in a room with her or to whisper in her ear something that she really needed to hear, what is it that you would say? Oh, my God, that is beautiful. That girl who told no one, who was so alone, who decided her life was over in that very moment, I would say it might get rocky at points, but honestly, it is all going to work out better than you ever could have imagined. And just give her the biggest kiss and the biggest cuddle and mm-hmm. just say, be brave. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're not sweeping in to rescue her. You're just sweeping in to empower her. So amazing. She needed to do it. She needed to go for it, but she needed to yes. be brave as well. Yeah. I love that. Katie Gummerson, I fucking loved having you on the show. I always ask every guest the final question, which is what does it mean uniquely to you to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? Oh, it means God's down, heart wide open, not sugarcoating shit and being dedicated to be in my truth over being liked, over being accepted, over being loved by you. Mm, love it Katie if anyone from my world wants to dive into yours where do we find you you can find me on Instagram that's probably where I am most active at the underscore empowerment underscore queen amazing thank you so much for sharing all of you your journey your pussy your relationship your sexual empowerment your pain your shame and your breakthroughs with us today this has been an amazing conversation I just love having you in my world Uh, thank you Beck. I love you more Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.